are super excited to be able to, to baptize. Uh, I think we have five people being baptized this morning, and so we are really excited about that. Thankful that you all could be here to celebrate and, uh, and recognize that with us, what Jesus is doing in our midst. It's super exciting to see God's grace invade people's lives and to see them respond to Jesus uh, is, is the best part of my job. It's the best thing that, that one could see, and so we are very excited for that. Uh, as Noah said, if you checked in a little one to Union Kids uh, this morning, we'd love if uh, we'd, we'd love to get all the kids and all the the, um, uh, the kids volunteers in here as well for those baptisms after the sermon. Uh, we'll dismiss you, and, and if you'd like to go grab your your children and bring them up here so they can kind of be a part of that together, it'll be a little bit hectic and crazy, and that's okay. We can have the little ones running around, no big deal, as long as they're not throwing toasters in the pool and everything. We should be okay. So. Um, go ahead and grab them and we'll bring them on in here and we'll do those baptisms and then we'll finish up with a last worship song and we'll all get to worship and celebrate together. So that should be fun. My name's Aaron. I'm the lead pastor here at Union Church. Um, we are in a series uh, going through the book of Proverbs. If you have uh, your Bible on you, you can turn to the book of Proverbs. Um, we have all the verses for you on the screen. Proverbs is not one of those books you just go right through. Typically, they, uh, it's more of a topical book. There's, there's, there's verses on different topics. They're kind of shotgunned uh, throughout the book. And so we take all those verses and we compile them under different topics and we go through those topics. So um, you can try to flip back and forth if you'd like in your Bible. Um, you can also just watch on the screen and you can see that as they come up. And all these references are in your notes. If you've got a, a bulletin on the in, inside, you'll, you'll see an insert. Uh, it has the order of worship and all that stuff on it. The, the main point for this morning, the topic and uh, you, can, you can see all those verse references there. Normally, uh, we launched about a year and a half ago. We went straight through John's Gospel, uh, the New Testament book of Gospel of John, and that's kind of what we normally do. Uh, that's really our bread and butter, going straight through books. Proverbs is just a little bit different, and we thought would be helpful and refreshing. So I hope you are enjoying this series as I know I am enjoying studying through it. A couple quick things about our church. Um, if you're new, if you're visiting, we're super glad you're here. We'd love to get to know you and connect with you. Uh, just give you a little bit of our uh, vision, why we're here and, 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 and who God is shaping us into as we're going along this journey together. We're a church that deeply desires to know Jesus, right? To know Jesus, not just to know things about Jesus, not just to know facts pertaining to Jesus or the Bible, but we desire to deeply desire to know Jesus that we know his person, that we know his work, that we know the gift of salvation, that we know the gospel that he accomplished for us and how to live in light of that. We really desire to know Jesus. And, and, and the way that we know Jesus is through Jesus' word. God has revealed himself to us in scripture, and so we value scripture very highly because that's how we know Jesus. So we open our Bibles every Sunday, and we open our Bibles throughout the week in community Right? So, so we, we desire to know Jesus. Number two, we desire to declare Jesus, that, that the gift of salvation doesn't end with us. The buck doesn't stop on our own hearts, but rather it goes out. Right? The gospel is a movement. It literally moves outward. When Jesus ascended to heaven, he told his guys, he said, you need to, you need to go and declare the gospel. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you'll, you'll declare the gospel throughout the whole world. Okay, so we as a local church, we're a little expression of that great commission. We're, we're trying to display the gospel in, in our city through our people. And then number three, we, we deeply value discipleship. So we want to know Jesus, declare Jesus, and make disciples in Jesus. And all disciple means is this. It means to help one another grow in Christ. 
And so we have the older guys and the older women take the younger guys and younger women and we just want to disciple them and help them grow and help them to know Jesus better and help them to declare Jesus better and help them to grow in grace for themselves. So those are some things for you to keep in mind about who we are and what we do and where we're going and everything in our church really is, is shaped around that vision. So I hope that's helpful, particularly if you're new, if you're a guest with us this morning, give you a little bit about us. Let's jump into our study in Proverbs. <laughs> Last week we looked at men, we spoke to you men, and it, wasn't, it was about men, but it wasn't just for the men. Of course, men and women need to know what the biblical vision for manhood is. This morning we get to kind of turn to the women and we get to look at marks of biblical womanhood. So I hope you're excited, I know I'm very excited. Um, we're going to be looking at the woman in Proverbs. And many of you know, as we turn to Proverbs, what Proverbs has to say about women. There's almost a whole chapter. It's one of the most well-known chapters on this topic in Scripture. Uh, it's Proverbs 31, 10, verse 10, through the end of the chapter. And I want to open with a quote for you from a commentary I read this week by Daniel and Jonathan Aiken. And they say this, she has haunted and terrified women all over the world for 3,000 years. Her massive shadow and imposing stature towers so high that she is held in awe by all who dare to look at her magnificent and unrivaled portrait. Who is this wonder of a woman? Who is this larger-than-life lady? She is the virtuous woman of Proverbs 31. Now, I know that some of you might have that type of view as you would say, okay, womanhood, Proverbs, eh, you know, I've read Proverbs 31, that woman's very intimidating, of course she's perfect, you know, and, and I kind of just cower away when I hear about her because all that that does is I look at Proverbs 31 and all that does, it makes me feel bad about myself, you know, I realize where I fall short, I see my failures and she's ideal and she's perfect and, and, I, and I just don't quite, don't quite cut it. Some of you might view Proverbs 31 that way. Some of you might have that image of the biblical woman. Well, here's what you need to know, and I want to just kind of lay this foundation as we're getting into this study this morning. I think this is very important. Here's what you need to know. The Bible's picture of a biblical woman, the Bible's vision of biblical womanhood is not perfection. Okay, you need to understand that. That as we go through these things today, yeah, there's going to be exhortation. Yes, there's going to be, there's going to be uh, displays of biblical womanhood that, that are magnificent and beautiful, that seem perfect. The goal, though, by, the Bible's intention is not to, to try to get you to be perfect, to try to lay out a standard that you say, I have to match up to all of these things. The goal isn't perfection. The goal is direction. So I want you to understand that. The goal is not, man, if I don't meet these standards, you know, I'm pretty scummy and I feel lousy and I fall short and I just see my failure and I feel bad about myself. That, the goal is never perfection. Only Jesus is perfect. Okay, Jesus knows that we are sinners and Jesus came on a mission to save sinners. So he doesn't come on a mission to save sinners but then over here say, you know, unless you're perfect, I'm not gonna, not gonna love you. It's like, no, he came for those who are not perfect. So the goal isn't perfection, the goal is direction. And same thing with the men. We talked about this last week. For all of us, for men and women, as we're talking about biblical manhood and womanhood for this brief little time here in Proverbs, the goal is not perfection, it's direction. Our goal is to go in the same direction together as a church. 
Okay, that direction is the direction of sanctification. It's the direction towards God's biblical vision for marriage and for manhood and womanhood. Okay, so don't think, well, you know, Proverbs says this, or Aaron's saying this, or, and I don't meet that, okay? Not perfection. We do want to exhort you. May, there may be some things you need to repent of, right? Just like we talked about last week. And that's all normal Christian life stuff. But it's direction. Which direction are we going? And are we progressing there together? That's the goal. Now, others of you, I also want to say, might, might not have that view at all. And you might think, maybe you've never read Proverbs 31. Maybe you just vaguely know what it is. But maybe what you've heard on what the Bible says about womanhood, maybe you've been told or been taught, you know, the Bible has a low view of women. The Bible really demeans women and denigrates women. And, you know, the Bible's kind of a sexist book, and it's written by old bronzeman people, and it's antiquarian, and it's just old, and, and, you know, we're more enlightened now. The Bible isn't very nice to women, okay? I just want to tell you that's not, none of that's true, you can spend a long time unpacking all of that, but none of that's true. The Bible doesn't demean women. The Bible elevates women. Right? The Bible doesn't try to keep women imprisoned as some sort of second-class citizen. The Bible liberates women. The Bible really values... The Bible, women, the Bible is for you, and God is for you. you. We need to really know that, and men, we need to know that. The Bible is for women. The Bible is very pro-women. In fact, as one commentary I was reading this week on Proverbs 31 was saying that Proverbs 31 is actually, some people think, is actually a polemic. It's, a, it's an attack against a society. This book's written 3,000 years ago in a society where women are viewed as second-class citizens, where women don't have very many rights. And Proverbs 31 is an attack against that type of culture, elevating and praising women in a culture that has no praise for women. And that's from the Bible. The Bible praises women in all generations, in all times, in all cultures. Not all cultures have always praised women. I'm sure we realize this. In many different times in history, women have been viewed as second-class citizens. It's deplorable and sinful. And the Bible always has shined forth, holding up and elevating women to their proper God-ordained place. So for those of you that might have heard that type of Bible teaching, just need to know it's not true. The Bible and God love and value and elevate women. So I, women, for, for us this morning, I want, uh, you know, again, the goal, is, the goal is to show you how the Bible values women and the goal is to, is to move forward toward the direction of sanctification and toward God's biblical vision and picture for women. That's why I would like you to listen this morning. Now, for you men as well, I'd like you to not tune out. This is important for you to hear. Don't hear, oh, it's for women. You know, I'm going to check the score. I'm going to check my email. Don't do any of that. I'd like for you to still listen. Here's a few reasons why. For you husbands, you need to know what the Bible says about the biblical woman and biblical womanhood so that you can encourage your wife in that direction. Not so you can take the truth and bash her over the head with it, so you can encourage her in that direction, so you can love her in that direction, right? so you can exhort her in that direction, so you can chat with her and talk with her and help her grow. And she needs to do the same with you. We talked about that last week. Okay? That, that, that's one reason why you need to listen as, as husbands. You need to know how to love and lead your wife and how to take her along the biblical guidelines and the biblical vision. Okay? Number two, if you're fathers, you need to know, and you have daughters, you need to know how to raise your daughters to be this type of woman. 
Again, not perfect. We're talking direction. You need to know how to direct your daughters and lead your daughters and point your daughters in the direction of God's vision for womanhood. If you have sons, you need to train them. This is the type of woman you're looking for. This is the type of woman when you're married you want to cultivate. This is the type of woman that you need to marry. The whole book of Proverbs is a father, King Solomon, writing to a son. Okay, so that's the context for all of these verses. When we hear these things about women, this is from a father to a son. Here's the type of woman you're looking for. Here's the type of woman you need to help your wife become. And if you're single, if you're a single guy, again, you need to know what type of woman am I, am I looking for? Okay, what, what does God value in a woman, and, and what do I, therefore, need to value in, in a woman as I'm, as I'm seeking a woman to court and to eventually marry? So don't tune out. Those are a few reasons I'd like for you men to <coughs> listen as well. The goal is for us to be godly and biblical men and women who are pursuing a biblical vision for manhood and womanhood by grace. Okay, that's our goal. That's where we're headed. As we did last week, I want to start off just a little bit in Genesis 1 and 2. As we're getting into womanhood, we need to look back at Genesis 1 and 2. You don't have to turn there, but I'm going to explain a few things to you. Genesis 1 and 2, God creates. He creates the universe. He creates the world. He creates everything. He also creates man and woman. He creates them in perfect relationship with each other, in perfect relationship with himself. There's no discord. There's no rivalry. They're, they're, they're working and operating out of their God-given roles. They're both created in the image and likeness of God with dignity and value and worth. They're both equal, but they have different roles. Okay? And everything's good. Everything's perfect. They're in the garden. They're, they're walking with God. They're, they're, they're in communion with each other. Okay? Living as God intended. Genesis 3, though, the fall happens. Man and woman rebel against God, and therefore they're separated and disconnected from God and disconnected from each other. And in, in the fall, sin entered the world, and sin caused those disconnections, but sin also caused a distortion in all of life. And so now instead of operating out of the God-given roles that, that the Lord intended for men and women to operate in, those, those roles have been distorted. Those roles have been marred. As a result, there's a lot of confusion among men and women as to what it looks like to be a biblical man or a biblical woman. For the women, we look to culture and we can see this confusion. It's, it's palpable. Okay, some in culture say, you know, again, there's really no distinction between men and women. Maybe there's some biological differences, no big deal, and you can get a surgery to fix that if you feel like it. But also, you know, women can do all the things that men can, and women are, are tired of being oppressed, and women, you know, women should, we, we, need to, we need to have equal outcome in everything that we do, and women can do everything that men can. It's like, well, that's just conflation of the roles. I mean, men, women don't have to do all the things that men do to be equal. Women are equal, and they do different things. Men don't have to do all the things women do to be equal. Men are equal, and they do different things. Okay, so on one side of culture, there's just a conflation of, the two roles. Also in the culture, we <coughs> see others who post up women as mere objects of advertisement on display to be lusted over by other people, on display to create impossible images of physical beauty for 
younger women to look at and to compare themselves to and become depressed over because they can't meet this, this standard of perfection and beauty that's really mostly airbrushed and painted over and, and whatever else, but to them it creates this idol and this perfect, ideal, beautiful woman that, man, I'll never be able to get there. So, so on the other hand, for, for the culture, a, a, beautiful, a, 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 a true woman or what womanhood is is being super hot, being really sexy, having the right body, having the right hair, having the right style. Outward beauty is amazing. It's really good. God created it. It's, it's a good thing. We're going to talk a little bit more about this later, but that's not what true womanhood is. True womanhood isn't how we look. Because you know what? One day you're going to get older and you're going to get wrinkles if you don't have them already. And then you're going to say, if, you're, if you think true womanhood is just in how smooth your skin is and how in shape you are and the skinny jeans you can fit into, one day when you don't fit into those skinny jeans, it's like I'm no longer a true woman. And that's not true. That's not true at all. So there's tons of confusion about this in the culture, in the world. So we must look to the Bible as Christians. What is womanhood? What's true womanhood? What are some marks of true womanhood? Of course, this is not an exhaustive sermon. We can't cover all this. We're just going to look at a, we're going to scratch the surface and look at a few particular attributes, marks of the biblical woman. We'll start with this. The biblical woman is beautiful. The biblical woman is beautiful. God creates women with an, intrin- with a, with, with an intrinsic quality of beauty. Hey, women, you are created beautiful. What we don't only mean by that is, is physical appearance. Again, physical appearance is good. Physical beauty is good. If you don't have a classy style, that's all good. That's not what true beauty is, though. True beauty goes far deeper than the external. True beauty is far more substantial than the outward. Proverbs 31.30, excuse me, charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. But again, there's nothing wrong with outward charm and outward beauty, but if that's all your definition of beauty is, that's a vain definition because eventually it's going to fade. Eventually it's going to not be there anymore. Eventually it's going to wither. Proverbs 11.22, like a gold ring and a pig's snout is a beautiful woman without discretion. I forgot to mention that Proverbs is very honest. So, so, you know, they're the Bible's words, not mine. But what it's saying is you can be a really attractive woman, but if you're just, if, like, if you don't have discretion, okay, you're not, you don't have prudence, there's no shrewdness, there's no modesty, Right? There's not the other things that we're going to all get into. There's not those things there marking you as a true woman. It's like, well, you're really good looking, but it's like, it's like putting a nice piece of jewelry on a farm animal. I mean, it doesn't cover up much. Okay, so beauty is not just external. You can be beautiful and not be truly beautiful, what Proverbs is saying. So what is True beauty, then. What does it mean that the biblical woman is, is beautiful, is beautiful, is intrinsically beautiful, created with beauty? What does that mean? Let's look at a few attributes together. The first is this, that, that true beauty is strong. True beauty is strong. Now, we said last week that men are created with an intrinsic strength. Okay, so let's not just, let's, I don't, here's what I don't, I don't want you to think, well, women are strong like that. Women are strong in a different way. 
Men are created to protect, to defend. Okay, we need to have a certain type of strength. Women have, for women it's different, but don't think, oh, because they're not strong like men, that means women are weak. No, 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 no. Women are very strong in a womanly way. Women are very strong in the way that God's created them to be. Proverbs 31, 14 through 19 She is like the ships of the merchant. She brings her food from afar. She rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. She considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. She dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. She puts her hand to the staff and holds, and her hand holds the spindle. Okay, This is a long list of things that this Proverbs 31 ideal woman is at work doing that requires a lot of strength. Okay, true beauty is strong and, and, and true womanly, God-given womanly strength is beautiful. It takes strength to go and gather all of her food. It takes strength for her to get up early and feed all of her household. It takes strength and wisdom for her to consider a field and buy it, for her to plant a vineyard that bears fruit. Strength covers her. It's what she's dressed in. It covers her whole person, everything she does, and part, it's part of who she is. Her lamp does not go out at night. She's busy. She's in- industrious. She's working hard. That takes strength. Okay, she may not be lifting anvils and at the gym bench pressing 400 pounds. That's not what I'm talking about. She is a godly, God-given strength. And that strength is beautiful. The biblical woman has strength, and her strength certainly is beautiful. I think, like, with my, we, I, we have two kids at home. We have three-year-old, one, and a, well, she's almost, she'll be two on Christmas. And then we have a third that's due in, like, two weeks, and so we're going to have three kids under three. Some of you have been in that boat or are there, and, like, it's hard, right? It's a lot of work. I, and, but not really for me, because I'm, I'm, you know, I'm at work all day. I mean, I have, like, a challenging, demanding job, but my wife is literally at home, literally getting demands all day. Like, actually getting demands. Oh, I need this, I want this, I mama, mama, you know, just all, and it's, like, the best ever. Like, we love our kids. If you don't have kids, you have a lot to look forward to. But I can tell you for sure, my wife gets up early, she's handling household stuff, she's making food, she's, she's, you know, she's teaching them right now with quiet time, like, hey, it's time to do quiet time. I'm going to go and read and do my devotions and pray, and you're going to go do quiet time. And it's like, it takes a lot of patience to get to a point where quiet time means anything that the word resembles, right? <laughs> and, and then, you know, I come home, and she's, you know, getting dinner ready, and, getting all, and it's like, oh, we did this today, we went to the park, we did, and it's just like, boom, 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 all this stuff, you know? That, it takes strength to do that. That takes incredible strength. I know that we have a bunch of women getting up early on Wednesday mornings to go and do our women's discipleship. That I'm, I'm, uh, Laura's leading the, the gals in that, and I'm helping right now teach through some of the sessions. And they get up early, like, like five in the morning, and they're there at six. And we're working through scripture. We're working through our discipleship manual. And then a lot of them go off to work and go do other things. And then some of them at night go to a union group at the bank's house at seven o'clock. And it's like, that's a full day. That takes some strength, doesn't it? See, many of, many, 
for, for us men and for women, we need to understand that for what it takes to do what a, what a godly woman does, it takes strength. It takes strength. I know week in, week out, Laura, who leads our women's ministry, is just nonstop doing ministry all week long, answering needs, taking phone calls, meeting with people, doing lots of planning stuff for the fall. Where are we going with the women? Where are we going in the church with the women? What are we going to do next? Where do we need to grow? What do we need to do? How do we need to plan? You know how much strength that takes? A lot. We need to recognize and point out and celebrate men when we see this in women. And women, you need to realize, like, yeah, what it takes for you to do your job faithfully, one thing it, it takes is a lot of strength. And that is a beautiful strength. The, the biblical woman is strong, and true beauty is strong. Number two, true beauty is quiet and gentle. True beauty is quiet and gentle. 1 Peter 3. Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of your hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. Peter says that true beauty is not external. Again, I don't want to make you think external is bad. External beauty is, is good. But true, true biblical beauty is not external. That's perishable, but it's internal. It's of the heart. It's imperishable. It doesn't fade. It doesn't go away. It just grows and blooms and becomes more beautiful. And here's what Peter says is beautiful in particular. A quiet and gentle spirit. Look, I'm not trying to, some of you might not like that. I'm not trying to offend you. This is just what scripture says. Peter says it's, it's, it's beautiful. What, one of the things that makes one of the things that true beauty in a woman is is quietness and gentleness. That's a disposition and a heart towards God and others that has peace and that's secure. Disposition towards God and others that has peace and is secure. An inward disposition that also leads to outward action. Quiet, gentle, meek, softer. I don't know if you know this, but like just in general, I don't, again, I'm not trying to offend anybody. In general, make sure to qualify this. In general, women are more gentle than men. We're aware of that, right? You grew up with sisters, you grew up with brothers, very different households. <laughs> very different. Like a home with three sisters, four sisters, a home with three, four brothers, whew, totally different. No one plans it that way. It's not like, here, let's, you know, let's map out what we want our kids to, how it's, it just happens. It just happens. Like, we were over at the uh, Mike and Morgan Illigs the other night, and our <coughs> daughter loves Kira. Like, she just follows her around like a big sister. And she, and you know what she did? Whoosh, went right over and started playing with Dollhouse. It's like, you know, and Haddon went right over and started playing with Hot Wheels. Nobody, like, plans that stuff. Okay, Hot Wheels are less gentle than dolls. Women are more gentle, just by nature. And Peter says there's something there that's by nature that we cultivate as we become Christians and walk with God and move towards sanctification that is good and is beautiful. I don't want us to think here, again, I don't want us to think, well, that means weak. You know, quietness and gentleness means weakness. That's not true. 
No, this is a part of biblical womanhood, and it takes strength to actually, strength to be quiet and gentle, and it's beautiful. It's a good thing. It's not weakness. I know that sometimes I, I can be a knucklehead, and I can get fired up, and I'm just really annoyed or frustrated or whatever's going on, or maybe me and my wife are getting a little argument about something, and you know what, I, when I, what doesn't work for me is like if she were to just tr- try to fight fire with fire, you know? It's like, rawr, and she just does it right back, and just boom, it's, you know, that just would make it more of a clash. Instead, you know, she's learned, like, what I need is a gentleness, a quiet spirit. Hey, let's, can we talk about this? Let's work through it. Let's calm down a little bit. I, you know, or, hey, you hurt me. You hurt my feelings, and I, I want to talk through that. Okay, that's the gentleness and quietness, that disposition, that meekness, and it's like, man, like, that works. Okay, so don't get... Don't get manipulative with it. Just do it biblically, okay? Because it works. It works. That's beautiful in women. We'll get to more of this later on the speech part, the quietness and gentleness. Let's move on here from the, for the beauty. True beauty is strong. True beauty is quiet and gentle. True beauty serves. True beauty serves. Proverbs 31, 20 and 27 She opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Okay, true beauty serves. The biblical woman seeks opportunities to serve her family. She looks well to the ways of her household, does not eat the bread of idleness. She's not sitting around. She's very industrious. She's a hard worker. She's not lazy. She's not a sluggard. It doesn't mean she doesn't rest, but it means she's at it. She's at it. She's busy. She's doing stuff. She serves her household, her family first, and she serves outsiders. She opens up her hand to the poor and reaches out her hand to the needy. Okay, many of you, I just know this to give a super practical example of what this looks like. Many of you, I know, use your home as a tool for service. There's a lot of ways that you can serve. It doesn't have to be that way, but, but many of you you, you, you set a very great model of what it looks like to use your home as a tool for service. Okay, last Thursday, we had like 20 two, 23, 20-something ladies over at Jamie and Laura's house for the gal's book club, and it was awesome. I mean, it was amazing. The girls took a break from going, from reading through a book, and they took a cookbook and and did a recipe from that and then brought it all together. (coughs) And um, man, it was amazing. That's what it looks like to open up your home and use your home for service. Use your home as a tool for service. Getting stuff ready all day, and then all these gals, and you know what? It's a lot of work. And it's a lot of fruit. It's a lot of fruit. Serving isn't easy. Right? It takes strength. Remember, it takes strength. It's challenging, but it's worth it. Tons of fruit. That's what it looks like to use your home as a tool. Um, you women who open up your home every week for union groups, Shannon, Shauna, Casey, Hannah, all open up your home for union groups. Say, hey, we're, you know, we get together throughout the week and we talk through... Bible study, we talk through the sermon, we're in community together, we're in fellowship, we're, we're hanging out, come over, anyone's welcome. Okay, that's using your home as a tool for service and hospitality. And it's beautiful. True beauty serves. The biblical woman serves. She seeks opportunity to serve. And again, let me just say this, it's difficult. Nobody's saying this is easy. Like, what God calls you to is hard. In a fallen world, it's hard. But it's beautiful, and it's fruitful, and it's worthy. The godly woman serves. She serves, and it's excellent to witness. 
True beauty is also rare. In a culture that pushes this distorted version of womanhood, it's rare to find true biblical beauty. Proverbs 31.10, charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. She, um, excuse me, an excellent wife in addition, an excellent wife who can find. Okay, we want to praise this woman. We want to love this woman. We want to honor this woman, but she's rare. An excellent wife who can find. She is far more precious than jewels. Okay, this, this woman is rare. The biblical woman is rare. Hard to find. And when you find her, you need to value her and treasure her and Love her and cultivate her far more than any precious stone or jewelry or bank account. Okay, the biblical woman is far more precious. Let me just say this. She's rare. May she not be rare at Union Church. May this woman not be rare at Union Church. May we as a church, may we men encourage the sisters in our church toward this vision and women, may, may you work hard, all by grace, but may you work hard pressing toward God's vision for womanhood. Number two, the biblical woman speaks life. The biblical woman speaks life. There's a lot of marks that we could have looked at, but um, beauty and your words, true beauty and life-giving words, I think are pretty important ones. Your, your, your words, ladies, are very powerful, your words are very powerful. Some of you are aware of that. Some of you may not be. But your words are powerful. They really pack a punch. And your words have what Proverbs 18 says, the power of life and death. In the tongue is the power of life and death. That's maybe particularly true for you women. Your words are powerful. Your words can build up. Your words can tear down. And Proverbs has no shortage of examples of and warnings against women who use words to tear down, okay? Bible's words, not mine. I'm going to give you a few examples. Proverbs 21.9, it's better to live on the corner of a housetop than in a house shared with a quarrelsome wife. It's like you have a wife that quarrels, and it's like, I'm getting the tent out. I'm going upstairs. I'm, getting, I'm, I'm going on the roof. It'd be better to be up there and freezing and trying to get in my sleeping bag and then be in the house of the wife who quarrels. Proverbs 21, 19, okay, 10 verses later. It's better to live in a desert land than with a quarrelsome and fretful woman. <laughs> it's like, okay, if you didn't get the 10 verses ago illusion, like house rooftop doesn't seem so bad. Maybe you do that anyways. It's like, okay, how about a desert? There's no rivers, there's no trees, there's no greenery. It's, it's barren. It's, it's just completely barren. It's better to live there than in a house with a woman who's quarrelsome and fretful. Proverbs 25, 24, okay, four chapters later. It's better to live on the corner of a housetop than in one shared with a quarrelsome wife. Proverbs 27, 15, a continual dripping on a rainy day and a quarrelsome wife are alike. Are we getting the picture? Are we getting the picture with this? Like when the Bible, we know that we're like in clouds, like hey, if your teacher repeats something, it means it's important, right? Okay, same thing with the Bible. It's like when it repeats something over and over and over and over and over again, it's like, man, like I didn't get that the first 17 times, but I think I understand it now. We need to keep on track with this. Like guys, single guys, I'm serious. 
when Proverbs says this, it's like, it has a comical air to it because it is kind of funny, you know? But it's also real. Like, it's not just comedy. Sometimes the funny, you know, there's funny comical ways of communicating things that help us remember them, but it's real. Do not marry that woman. Don't marry that woman. You're going to regret it. You're going to be pitching your tent on your roof or driving out to the desert for a really long camping trip, you know, once a month, and you're going to be like, I'm going on a three-week camping trip this month and next month and the following month, okay? You don't want to marry that woman. Women, you will have a front row seat to all the faults of your husband. And you know what you're going to run across? You're going to run across decisions you don't like. You're going to experience times where it's hard to respect your husband. You're going to experience seasons where you feel like that sitcom wife. Yeah, my husband's kind of an idiot. I run the house. He pays the bills. I run everything else. Blah, 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 blah. Whatever he, you know, just don't listen to him. You're going to go through seasons where you feel that way, where it's challenging to respect and the decisions that are made um, you have a hard time with. And your inclination, the inclination of your flesh, is going to be to point out all of those faults. And the inclination of your, fle- your flesh is going to be to argue and to want to quarrel and to want to dress him down. That's going to be where you want to go. As long, if I can just press a little bit more, convince or whatever, and Proverbs says, look, do not do that. Do not do that. Proverbs says all that will do is drive him further away. Up to the roof, out to the desert, but all it's going to do is drive him further away. Your inclination is going to be to just press in and argue and keep bringing it up and never let it go, and he's going to get pushed further away. Proverbs 14.1, the wisest of women builds her house, but with folly, but folly with her own hands tears it down. One of the quickest ways to do that is with your words, with your words. Proverbs 9.13, woman folly is loud. She's seductive and she knows nothing. Proverbs 7.11, she is loud and wayward. Her feet do not stay at home. Solomon says to his son, beware of woman folly. Beware of the quarrelsome woman. Beware of woman folly. She's loud. She's loud. She's not discreet. She can't keep what you tell her secret. She's very difficult to live with. She's going to make your life miserable. Don't marry that woman. And women, the inclinations of our flesh will pull us toward sin. It'll pull us toward woman folly. We must say no to woman folly and yes to woman wisdom. Does that mean, you might be thinking, I never point out faults. Does that mean I never express my opinion or how I feel? No, it doesn't mean any of that. But it does mean we must be careful not to lean in towards quarreling and criticism. That's not the best way to do it. The best way to do it is with gentleness and with quietness, with respect. Okay, the biblical woman also speaks wisdom. She speaks wisdom. Proverbs 31, 26, she opens her mouth with wisdom and the teaching of kindness is 
on her tongue. What won't help your marriage is quarreling and critique. What your kids don't need is just sudden outbursts of frustration. What your family needs is wisdom. What your family needs is wisdom. Young women, what your family needs is, your future family, is for you to now grow in wisdom. For you to now grow in wisdom. Proverbs 14, one again, the wisest of women builds her house. Okay, one of the quickest ways and best ways and most healthy and helpful ways you can do that is with your words. It's with your words. You might be asking the question, thinking, well, I don't know if I have wisdom. You know, I'm already married, I'm already have kids, whatever. I don't know if I have wisdom. Okay, that's okay. That's okay. What I would say is it's available to you, and you need to grab an older lady and say, I need wisdom. Can you help me get wisdom? You know what they're going to say? Okay, I'm, I'm super busy. If you really want it, I'm here for you. Let's do it. You need to grab an older lady and get wisdom. And older women, some of you who have wisdom, you're not too busy to pour out what you know into somebody else. You must make disciples. You must take the younger women at our church and build them to be godly women like you. Wisdom is available for you. The biblical woman speaks life. She speaks wisdom. And the biblical woman honors God. The biblical woman honors God. The biblical woman loves, adores, honors, and fears God. Proverbs 31, 30. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain. Making a full circle here. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. A woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. The biblical woman loves, adores, honors, and fears God. That's not fear of punishment. That's humble submission to God, humble submission to his power, to his instruction. That's worship of God, glorifying God with your life and desiring him to continue to change and sanctify you. The biblical woman lives a life that points to Jesus, that honors God. And as a result... She receives honor. Proverbs eleven sixteen. a gracious woman gets honor. Proverbs 31, 28, her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Men, it's our job to honor the women in our lives. It's your job to praise your wife. It's your job to honor your wife. It's our job to praise and honor the sisters in our church. That's our job. She deserves it. God says, honor her, praise her, Love her, encourage her with our words, with our actions, with our service. Think husbands, also think all other women. There's a lot of women that aren't wives. There's a lot of women that are wives that, that we need to encourage, even if they're not our wife. First with your family, then with your church family. We must honor the women in our lives, the sisters that God's given us and the, and the wives that, that God's given us to be with. This week, man, I would encourage you and exhort you to look for opportunities to do this, to honor your wife and to praise your sisters. Let me end with this. You might be thinking, I've fallen short. It's what I started with, you know. We see all these things of this amazing woman. You might think, I've fallen short. I'm in a season that's just messy or messed up. I've, I've fallen short. A lot of times I'm falling short right now. I would say, yes, the Bible says that you would. Romans 3 says it clearly. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All have sinned. There's nobody that's exempt from that. And this area of womanhood is not exempt from that. 
All women have fallen short of true womanhood. That's certainly true. So if you're thinking, I've failed, I'm just, the Bible knows that. God knows that. God knows that. And it's good for us to be confronted by Scripture and reminded and exhorted to pursue the biblical vision of womanhood. But as we do, I must remind you of the gospel. And I must point you to Jesus. We must remember the gospel and we must look to Jesus. Listen, when you've failed to be strong, remember that Jesus Christ has been strong for you. When you've failed to be gentle and quiet, remember that Jesus has been gentle with you. When you've failed to selflessly serve, remember that Jesus has selflessly served you. When you have failed to speak life and wisdom, remember that Jesus speaks life to you. When you have failed to honor God, Jesus has endless love for you. Women, Jesus doesn't love you because you're perfect. Jesus doesn't love you because you've been the perfect Proverbs 31 woman and have thereby earned his love. That's not why he loves you. Jesus loves you because on the cross, he died for you. Jesus loves you and so he went to the cross to die for you. On the cross, church, listen, Jesus died for his bride. You know who his bride was? Woman folly. Jesus died for his bride, woman folly. And by his blood, Jesus has made woman folly, woman wisdom. All of us, men and women, all of us, we are a broken people serving a good God. And we are pursuing his vision for manhood and womanhood by grace. So let me just encourage you, Let's, let's strive and press towards these things for sure, but as we do, let's remember the gospel. Let's remember and look to Jesus, and let's do it all by grace, men and women together pursuing the biblical vision for manhood and for womanhood, all by grace, all in the gospel, not to earn God's love, but because we already have it, amen? We now get to celebrate baptisms. We are gonna do, I'm gonna tell you how this is gonna go. We are gonna do one song, the team's going to lead us in one song. I'm going to go get changed real quick because I'm going to get wet. And then we, we're going to do one song. We're going to come back. We're going to dunk some, dunk some people. And we get to celebrate that together. Amen? Um, for you parents, you can go and grab your kids. Uh, you have a couple minutes to do that. And again, I know it's a little bit messy and discombobulated, but we just love to get all the kids in here and celebrate in a messy, chaotic way together. So let's go ahead and do that. I'll pray. Father God, thank you for uh, your, your, your wisdom on biblical womanhood and biblical manhood. Thank you that your word speaks to these issues. Thank you that we have a, a, a model to follow. Thank you that we have grace to empower. Thank you, Jesus, that you love men and women. Thank you that you save men and women. Thank you that this morning we get to see men and women be baptized. We get to recognize and celebrate your good, gracious gift of salvation in their lives. May we celebrate heartily as a church for your glory and for your name. In Jesus' name, amen.